Okay, <laughs> so today we're in uh, the third part of Enchanting Encounters, where we're looking at people that had an encounter with God. I'm um, trying to come up with some lessons, and uh, I'm, this is in uh, Exodus chapter 3, so I hope that you would have your Bible and turn with me and follow through, and then we're going to come back and make some practical uh, observations about encounters with God from this story. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the ministry, or excuse me, the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Remember that. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Amazing encounter with God. Changed Moses' life, changed the Israelites, changed the world, and gave us uh, the second book of the Bible. You know, amazing story of deliverance. But every time there's a story like this, we need to look at it carefully because God embeds in these Old Testament stories um, wisdom, spiritual truth about himself that apply to our own spiritual encounters with God, our own daily walk with God. So what do we learn about this enchanting encounter that we can put in our pocket and take home with us? What can we learn for ourselves? I get this upside down. I can't read nothing. Okay. 
Here, I want to, before I share these five principles, let me say this. God is a visionary. You know what a visionary is? It's somebody can, that can see beyond what is, can see where you want to go. If, you wanna, if you're going on a trip, it's a good idea to know where you're going, to have a destiny, to have something, some place you're heading toward, to know what you're doing, unless you just like to drive, see the sights. God is a visionary. He's always looking at what can be. You and I should have a little bit of that God nature within us to see what can be. What could this what can this church be? What can your family be? What can your occupation, your career, your ministry, what can that be? Visionary, look at what can be. Because if you can't see anything beyond where you are, you're destined to stay right there. And God wants us to move on. And God has a plan. But it took God 80 years to get Moses ready to act out the plan. 80. 80 is when you sit back and say, well, my work's done, right? 80 is when you're not looking at some new vision. 80 is when you're, you're ready to, to look back and reflect on what God has done. And God comes along with a whole new vision for him, a whole new idea, a whole new purpose at the age of 80. Interesting. Here's the five principles I want us to see that we can apply to ourselves. Number one, we meet God on the backside. <clears throat> now, the New International Version that I read says on the far side of the desert. But I knew that the King James Version says on the backside of the desert. So I thought, well, what is, what is the, the Hebrew word really saying? So I looked it up. And what it means is behind. It's usually translated behind. So backside sounds more accurate than the far side. And we meet God on the backside of something. Now the backside is not where you want to be. The front side is where you want to be, but the backside is where you meet God, the place you'd rather not be. Interesting. Moses on the backside of the desert was tending the flock. What does tending mean? It means caring for, protecting, keeping safe. God's looking for somebody who's tending the flock. What are you doing for the other brothers and sisters in the flock of God? What are you doing for the other saints? What are you doing for the other Christians? Is it all about you? Because he's looking for somebody that will tend the flock. Because every sheep in his flock is a soul destined for eternity. Either in heaven or in hell. Who's going to tend the flock? Who's going to take care of the flock? If we're not faithful with what we have, why should God give us any more? We find this principle in the Gospel of Luke chapter 16 in the New Testament. Jesus says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? 
And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So we learn about Moses that he has been faithful with his father-in-law's flocks. He's been working for his father-in-law for 40 years. He's been faithful. Question for each of us is, have we been faithful in what belongs to someone else? Because if we won't be faithful in what belongs to someone else, God's not going to trust us with our own. So he's not going to be making uh, enchanting encounters with us because he can't trust us. So how did, how did Moses get on the, the backside anyway? You know, he was born a slave, a Hebrew slave. His mother took him because it was a death warrant out for all male babies because Israel was overpopulating the Egyptians, and so they tried to control the population by eliminating baby boys. And mom was terrified, so she took her baby, put him in a basket, covered him up, and put him in the reeds in the river, trying to hide him. But you know, if you're going to do that, you got to keep your fingers crossed. Because if that baby wakes up, you know what babies do when they wake up. They make racket. A lot of it. So she sent along his sister to hide in the reeds and kind of watch and watch out for him. And sure enough, Moses woke up started crying, making a racket. And the princess sent one of her servants over to find out what that is. Well, it's one of the Hebrew babies. And right there, Moses' sister, watching, knew there was trouble. So she ran over and says to the servants, Oh, a baby. I know a mother who is nursing would you like me to take the baby to, the, to this mother who can nurse him? And the princess says, good idea. Let's put her on the payroll. We'll pay the mother to nurse the baby. You see how God flipped that? That flipping goes on all through the Bible. That's the way God works in our life. And if you can keep your balance and let God flip you a couple times, you're going to end up a winner every time. So... Moses finally grew up. You see, he was a Hebrew, and he knew it. But he was raised in the palace as the son of the princess. So he's got authority. He represents both worlds. He's a type of Jesus Christ, who much later comes from heaven to represent us. He represents both worlds. He's the mediator. Now Moses saw as a young adult... He saw an Egyptian slave owner mistreating a Hebrew. And he did the immature thing. He tried to do right. He tried to do righteousness. He tried to serve God. So he went after that Egyptian and he killed him and buried him in the sand. That's an immature response to God. And then Moses found out, oh, there was a witness. Somebody saw that. I'm a dead man. They're going to put a warrant out for my arrest. So he ran. He ran to the backside of the desert where he met Midian, became one of his shepherds. 
married his daughter, and for the next 40 years thought he had missed God. Have you ever thought you missed God? I believe this is prophetic. I think there were some of you when you were young and immature, you tried to serve God, fell flat on your face, and you've been running away from it ever since, convinced God can't use you again. That's wrong assumption. Get the message. That's the wrong assumption because God went after the man who failed 40 years ago so he can be a success today. And I believe God wants to go after some of us who thought we were a failure and God could never use us. He wants to come after us and he wants to give us a purpose. Okay, here's the second thing. So we meet God in the backside. The second thing we learn here, we meet God when we go over to sea. There's a burning bush up on the hillside. And Moses sees it, but he looks a little bit later and it's still burning. Now, a dead bush can burn without a whole lot of effort, but this thing keeps burning. It never burns up. It just keeps burning. It's like there's this eternal fire burning up there in that bush. And Moses sees that long enough. He says, well, I'm going to turn aside. I'm going to go up there and see what that is. So he sets aside his routine, what he does day in and days out. Sets it aside and heads up the mountain because he wants to see this bush. God is the farthest thing from his mind. He's going up to see a bush. But the good news is, God knows how to get our attention. You might not need a burning bush to get your attention. Maybe you need a lawsuit or a night in the county jail. Or somebody to hurt you really bad. My guess is the majority of us in here, when we made an encounter with, had our encounter with Christ, when we gave our life to Christ, it was because we were on the backside of something. Because it was painful. It was because we, we, we had this wake-up call that knocked us flat. That's when people get interested in God. Because, you see, we're so settled into our routine that's, we're satisfied with it. And God's interested in people who can get out of their routine, who, who can look for something new. Somebody say amen. You must get out of your routine. It says, when God saw that he turned aside to see. When God saw that. Turning aside to see was the turning point in his life. As long as we keep our routine... Nothing's going to change. But God's got to get us to break out of our routine, and then something happens. See, this really isn't about the burning bush at all. If it was about the burning bush, then we would expect several other people in the Bible to have burning bush experiences. But nobody ever did. This is a one-time thing. It wasn't about the burning bush. It was about Moses connecting with God, God getting Moses' attention so he would get out of his routine and come see about God. God God today is looking for people who will get out of their routine and come see about him, come check him out, give him him a chance. And the, uh, the other interesting thing, 
is that fire that just kept burning and never burned out. I want some of that fire. I've seen a lot of people get on fire for God. And then he burned out. It didn't last very long. It was like something ignited, but there was no fuel to keep it going. It just suffocated itself. But I want the fire that stays. I want that fire that burns on the inside, never goes out. It just keeps flaming. Oh, yeah, I need to put a little fuel in there every now and then. I need to read a little bit in the Bible. I need to sit under some teaching. I need to, to, to get the Holy Spirit stirring me up every now and then. I need to stir up the Holy Spirit, the gift within me. That staying power of the fire. Moses had, didn't have that before, but God's about to put it in him. It's the Holy Spirit's job to get your attention. Did you know that? That's what he does. He gets your attention. If you know that, then you won't get all frustrated when something happens that gets your attention. You need to come to that point of putting everything you have, your life, in his hands so that anything that passes into your life passes through his hands so it's okay. You've given it to God, so everything's okay. So if a bad thing happens... We can say, okay, God, this is, this is your, this, this involves you. It's not just me, it involves you. What's going on? And we can turn aside and ask and have a connection with God. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus, we're supposed to pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're supposed to pray that way. How does God's will get done on earth? We do it. If we don't do it, His will doesn't get done. We have to do the action. We do it. He says, God said, I am come down to deliver them. God said, I have come down to this bush to talk to you, Moses, because I want to deliver them. We see this? This is, this is amazing. Because that's exactly what God did with Jesus Christ. He came down so that you and I could be delivered. I need that deliverance. All right. Where am I at? Oh, yeah, number three. We meet God on holy soil. The place where you're standing, Moses, is holy ground. Holy ground? Just looks like dirty ground to me. Yeah, but God's here. This is holy ground right here. This is it. So take your shoes off. I can just see Moses. Take my shoes off. Why do we need to take my shoes off? Because I said so. Just take them off. Yeah, but it doesn't make sense, God. I need, to, I need to have some reason. I need to have some logic, some explanation of why I need to take my shoes off. God's teaching him basic principle number one of Christianity. You are not in control. Did you know that? Oh, but I want to be in control. Me too, but I'm not. When I gave my life to Christ, he's in control. I'm not in control. 
And if he tells me to take my shoes off, I need to take my shoes off. If he tells me to take my wallet out, I need to take my wallet out. If he tells me to shut my mouth, I need to shut my mouth. If he tells me to open my mouth, I need to open my mouth. He's in charge of my life when I surrender to him. Take off your sandals. And the other thing we learn from verse 3 here, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what that means? That means I am changed. I'm the same God. The promise I gave to Abraham still, still stands. When I gave another promise to Isaac, it still stands. When I gave a new promise to Jacob, it still stands. Every time he gives us a promise, it stands because it's his word, and he can't take it back. He never changes. And when you have an encounter with God, know where you're standing. It's holy ground because God's there. This is good. Number four, I got to keep going. <clears throat> Number four, we meet God to get his story. His vision, his dream. We meet God to hear what he wants us to do. It's not about us connecting with God so we can do what we want to do better. It's about us connecting with God so we can do what he wants us to do. It's all about his dreams, all about his vision. And if we don't have an encounter with God, we're never going to understand what his plan is. He wants to tell us. God says in verse 10, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. He's seen it. I've seen it. He's seen your misery. He sees your pain. He sees your hurt, your failure, your rejection. He, he sees that. And his heart, cries, his, his heart goes out to that. But he needs a messenger. Who can I send? Somebody's got to say me. Well, as you can see, Moses isn't particularly really excited about this assignment he's being given. I have seen the misery. Why did God see the misery? Back in Exodus chapter 2, 40 years ago, Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, actually it's 80 years ago, it says, during that long period when the Israelites were slaves, during that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. People cried out to God, and God saw their pain. So he sent Moses. But everybody had to wait 80 years. That's the way God works. We lift up a prayer and we get frustrated the next day we didn't get an answer. God's got to raise up the system, the people to be deliverers. God's got to raise up the pastors. He's got to raise up the prophets. He's got to raise up the workers who are going to do what you're praying for. Give him time. I mean, you, you waited to the last minute to pray. Give God time. Fix it. And God often uses someone else to answer your prayers. And we often do not like the person God sends to answer our prayers. We see this. 
This is almost funny. If it wasn't real, it would be funny. Okay. Here is number five. We meet God with the promise of a sign. We talked about signs and wonders following last week. This kind of follows up on that. God says, this will be the sign that you know it was really me that sent you. When you do what I tell you, and you lead the people out, then you come back to this mountain, and I'll meet with you, and you can worship me here. That's the sign. The sign follows. You see that? Signs follow those that believe. So Moses had to go and do it with a sign he couldn't see. The sign was hope. He had to hope. He heard what God said. He's going to obey what God said, but he's got a hope that it's really going to work out because he can't see the evidence. And every time he goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let those people go, a little bit of his hope got snuffed out. So I had to go back and have another talk with God. Each time, he had to have another talk with God. Lesson learned for each of us. Every time we feel like the rug's been pulled out from under us, every time we feel like God's not keeping his word, we need to go back and have another conversation with God because sometimes it takes ten times before the enemy gives it up. Sometimes it takes a lifetime for the enemy to give up what he's stolen. But we can claim and get it back. Amen? The sign comes after, not before we obey. But the sign does come after we obey. God's going to prove himself at the end. That's the story of Moses. 80 years old and gets a divine call to go into this spiritual challenge against the most powerful man on the face of the earth. But he does it, and he pulls it off. And if God can do that with a man who was convinced he had failed and, and his, his, the best is not ahead of him, he can do that for us. He can do that for us. This is what that story's about. It's written down to give us hope. Would you stand with me? God is so good. All the time, God is good. He loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. But he needs people to step into that. We can't keep waiting for God to raise up a deliverer when we are the deliverer. We've got to say, yes, Lord, and then God can empower us. So I believe... There's some of us in this room, as I was telling the story, it kind of reached home, that you feel like you missed God, and God's not going to use you anymore. That's not the truth, but I want to pray for you. If that's you, and you feel like you missed God, and God can't use you, would you come down to this altar? I want to pray for you. It's your opportunity to get closure with this. It's, It's your opportunity for God to open a new door. Yes, thank you. Anyone else want to join him? I believe God's going to do something in some lives.
Hallelujah. Thank you. Let God speak to you. The way he does it, he just kind of tugs on your heart and say, that's you. That's you. Anyone else? Just going to wait another minute. Not a single person up here 80 years old. You have time for God to do an awesome thing through you. Can I get a couple of spiritual people up here behind these folks to support them? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are an amazing God. We want to pray right now for these that have come forward, Father, that they, their acknowledgement, their confession is that they feel like they missed you. God, we pray that you will erase that, that whatever failure was there, we pray that you would release it. Father, that you are, you are a God who you always want to do something new. You always want to do something fresh. You're always wanting us to turn aside from our routine so you could do something even more amazing. And Father, we're just going to pray right now for each one of these, God. In the name of Jesus, your spirit is going to speak life to them right now. They're going to feel this insurgence of grace and mercy in your life. Father, yes. that uh, you, you're not, you've not condemned any of us. And Father, sometimes we make yes. mistakes that set us back, yes. but you have not condemned us father right now in the name of jesus i pray you do an amazing work of grace a renewal and empowerment god that you're just going to release the spirit of god in their life god to do amazing things that you're going to give them enchanting encounters of their own father they're going to have a divine encounter that just wakes them up on the inside god that you will use them Find a place in your plan, God. Make them a piece of the puzzle that fits together. God, we pray that you would anoint them, empower them, and send them to do the work you've called them to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now listen, those of you that are standing here, never again let the devil whisper to you and say, you blew it. God can't use somebody like you. Don't ever listen to that. That's a lie of the enemy. It's, uh, it's under the blood. It's, uh, it's, it's on the cross. It's not something that's going to affect you anymore except up here. See yourself redeemed. See yourself clean. See yourself renewed. See yourself as a child of God. Amen? Amen. God is so good. Lord, dismiss us with your blessing. Send us out of these doors as missionaries into a dark world. Help us to let our light shine to those around us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.